and welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast: Beer, Metal, and Swearing. As always, it is Nick Cameron of Glacierly Musical, joined by the man who has it all, Kitten Caboodle Chakas. Well, Kitten Caboodle usually means having it all, so I give it to you. I am enjoying a uh, Peter's Brand Classic Style Dutch Pilsner. No shit, that sounds like I would love that. I am. It was either this Voodoo Ranger, one of my special beers I'm saving for a rainy day, or a bunch of Coors Gold that somebody gifted to me, or a Corona. So I don't. Have I don't any I don't have any like fancy beer right now. This is from, uh, there's a beer dip recipe that an old friend of mine gave me. It is uh, four ounces of beer, one brick of cream cheese, half a bag of uh, shredded cheese, half a packet of ranch seasoning, and a little bit of pepper. Everybody loves it. I don't much care for it. But as you can see, this, as you can see, no one else can. This is a pint. Here's my next beer, which is an upslope, the hazy IPA. So, so it's four ounces of beer that I get to put in the the beer dip, and still get twelve ounces. All right, I get it. Um, uh, this is available at only in St. Louis at Trader Joe's. So, no shit. Yes. Didn't how know. how are you today? All righty, all righty, man. Just uh, slogging through the work week, um, plugging away ghost called stuff getting ready for my Gimme Metal special on November 9th. Excited to do one last episode on the great King's X. <clears throat> this is our last episode on King's X. Are we gonna, should we release today what we're doing next week? Or? Oh, I think so. I think so. All right. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and throw it out now. Next week, because we fought about this, originally, by fight, I mean discussed yeah. it rationally as good friends do over text because that's how we talk. And originally, I wanted to do Motley Crue, because I've got Shout of the Devil, Theater of Pain, and Dr. Feelgood on vinyl. Uh, Keefe countered with Twisted Sister, which I thought I agreed to, but apparently did not, because I have come out and play on vinyl, which... Not the best Twisted Sister record, but it's the only one I ever owned on cassette back in the day. Nice work. So we ended up deciding on Quiet Riot, of all things, which is going to be a little bit of a cross-pollination with the DMA because we just finished our second Quiet Riot (laughs) episode this week. But it is what it is. And in order to make up for that, uh, and if you want to get my vinyl uh, update now, I've got a good vinyl update. Go for it. Uh, I bought Quiet Riot 3 for the episodes that are coming up because I've actually never heard it. And I looked at pictures of it and I saw, I'm like, there's nobody in this band that's original. Turns out Rudy Sarzo, Rudy Sarzo's not in the band, but Carlos Cavasso still is. However, he looks totally different. But my vinyl week has been amazing. Uh, I got uh, Old Wives Tales by Exine Cervanka, Quiet Riot 3, The Beatles 1967 to 1970, uh, Brandy Carlisle's latest record, whom I only found out about because of SNL, and The Coup de Gras, a holy grail record that is now going to be the most expensive record in my collection, Guar. Hello, ask me going going to be or you paid for it. I paid for it. It is it's going to be in the mail tomorrow. 
I already purchased it. I actually, that one, um, <clears throat> wife and I discussed the purchase of that one because, I mean, that's a significant outlay of cash. It was, I, I don't mind telling you, it was 150 bucks. But I did sell a video game for 120 the same day. So, there you go. You know, it, it evens out. I was. I love. Buy- I love gore enough to do a gore run at some point if you're down. But uh... I am down for gore. <laughs> I love gore. We actually did a gore episode on the DMA that got eaten up by the internet. In a good way or a bad way? <laughs> bad way. Oh, okay. We're gonna redo. Well, it. I mean, Duncan is not a person who would like gore at all. So, like. It seems like punishment for them. Here you go, Duncan. This, don't ever do that again. You listen <sighs> to this. Like, he was just not his type of music. Frankly, a lot of what we do is punishment for Duncan. That's so sad. He's so great. I know. He's a wonderful, he's one of my favorite he's human beings. Incredible human being and artist, and we don't treat him well enough. No, I, 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 I <clears throat> treat him rather poorly, quite frankly. He, uh, my favorite quote of his from Quiet Riot, uh, we did Condition Critical this week. And my favorite quote of his was, there's no reason for this song to exist. Nice. The poor bastard. Like, he had to hear this thing. He's kind of like Sir Davos from Game of Thrones. It's just like the right guy in the wrong place and time. Unfortunately for him, the song that he felt should not exist was track one. Ouch. Yeah. So we'll have a different episode on that then. Correct. Um, uh, for everyone, <laughs> if you have not checked it out, please check out the Department of Metal Antiquities. It is me and Duncan Evans, where we talk about music by very famous people that you may have never heard of. My favorite thing ever was the episode I got to be on. So, I mean, as much, and I love this podcast, but like my favorite thing ever, ever in podcasting that I have done in like 700 episodes of podcasts is that episode where we did that album. That, that is also the <clears throat> longest episode of that podcast. We went almost two hours. <clears throat> the nerve of this motherfucker on the phone. Like this it wasn't, it wasn't the, I knew, well, Duncan <clears throat> and I talked about it before going in. Cause I'm like, look, we're all going to jerk off all over this thing. And we're going to jerk off over so many things. So can you go a little late today? <laughs> and he was, he was in. It took, uh, yeah, so it was a long one, and it was a good one. It was one of my favorites, and it was nice to make him listen to some Pink Floyd he had never heard. Indeed, and he liked some of it. He liked quite a bit of it, I think. Um, so, yeah, man, just uh, plugging away. I have a minor vinyl update. As I said, I'm kind of on a moratorium of not buying anything right now, much as it pains me, with all I... kinds of new and exciting shit coming across my path every day, but I'm just abstaining, abstaining, but things that I have, I know that's a lot. Things that I have bought in the past this year are now arriving. So I got my, is it nearby? On the bed. I, I, you have the same album. There's no reveal to give you, but I have the green jello, green jelly. No, it's pronounced green jello. I always say green jello. I don't it's, care. It's green jelly, but pronounced green jello. Yeah, it's green jello. I don't care about losses. And unfortunately, he canceled his tour because the promoter screwed him over. And I Bill is a hard luck guy. He's really talented. He hasn't really had another peak like that original one, but he has a loyal following. So like he can cancel a tour and turn around and rebook. He has also like some personal problems the last few years. 
So like I had the greatest idea because where the show was is not a place I feel terribly safe regarding the pandemic, but it was the Halloween show. So I was going to go dressed up as the bloody surgeon from Exhumed. Nice. Oh, my God. As a deep cut reference. Does he have a name? I feel like their mascot should have a name. No idea, but that's but by doing that, I would be totally metal. It's there's a costume contest, and I could wear my mask and not worry about the redneck shooting me. And then it was canceled. <clears throat> Fuck. Rats. Yeah, it is what it is. Hopefully, he comes back to town because I was really, 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 really excited. Yeah. To finally see them, I've never seen them. Oh, I saw them once, and it was magical. Um. So yeah, I have the Green Jello album, Garbage Pail Kids, on splatter mm-hmm. vinyl. I have uh, uh, I have green. I, I, have I wanted the green. green. I think it was sold out by the time I got a hand on it. And uh, other things that are arriving soon that I'll probably talk about in future episodes. A new Mastodon I pre-ordered. Uh, there's a Drop Dead coming for me from Tank Crimes Records. Uh, Drop Dead color vinyl, and probably a few more things I can't recall. There's some books that I ordered. The Frankie Bello biography memoir autographed nice. is coming to me from rare bird lit i love frank bellow and anthrax so that would cool- be an in, that would be a very interesting read i'm not a fan of anthrax by any stretch of the imagination but they have had they've had a ride i um so it's the second book by a member of anthrax i'm the man by scott Hines the first and a little more about the band and and his personal life and this is really much more it's not equal. It's really like 70% Frank Bellow's life and 30% Anthrax. But it's still like there's some deep cut shit in there that's very crucial and interesting. I love the book. Again, I, I have an interview coming out next week with Frank Bellow. I have an interview coming out next week with Matt Pike. This is book week basically next week <laughs> on both their books. And um, and I also recently read the Van Halen book by uh, Brad Talinsky and Chris Gill, who wrote for Guitar World. So that is the collection of interviews. Interviews. Brad, yeah, Brad Talinsky did one of those for Jimmy Page, and yep. I believe Jimi Hendrix as well. Yeah. Somebody did one for Jimmy. I thought someone did one for Jimmy. I don't think he's old enough to have done one with Jimmy, but like, oh, those are one. his interviews. Okay, They're no, his then it interviews. was not not him then, most likely. But um, that book is great if you love Eddie. And I love, and again, I love Frank Bello and I, I don't want to like, other than the fact that I'm not famous, good looking or incredible on bass, we have a lot of similarities in our life, Mark, um, besides playing bass and loving thrash metal. Like we're very similar from the same, ba- you know, similar background, grew up in the Bronx, broken home, a lot of tragedy, a lot of triumphs. So like uh, touch me on a personal level is probably not going to reach most people, but for me, it was amazing. I was going to have a very hard time doing my uh, top 10 books of the year countdown this year for Rose Cold because I've read about 15 band biographies. They're all pretty great. I also caught up on a bunch of stuff I haven't read yet that I tempted to include as at least an honorable mention. So anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And that's the vinyl update. Did you see my shirt? <clears throat> I, and it says, sit down. Oh, is it, uh, is it, uh, what is it? Is a casino on a boat? Guys and dolls. No shit. Oh, sit down, sit down, sit down. You're rocking the boat. The, the devil may tag you under. I mm-hmm. love Guys and Dolls, one of the best musicals ever. And I know the movie gets a very bad rap. Um, 
I got. Just, I uh, have the. I have the uh, the original cast on vinyl. Yeah. Um, well, the the movie version, starring a not singing at all Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra, is quite good. Uh, it has an incredible book. I also speaking of musicals. Just now, we're really going to go way off the fucking topic. I saw Jesus Christ Superstar this weekend. And it was amazing. And I'm going to tell you, double middle fingers. Jesus. Um, ne- I've never seen it. Oh, so like I didn't remember it. And I was confusing it with Godspell because I'm an idiot. But um, Jesus Christ Superstar was amazing. I am not religious. I'm quite the opposite. But uh, it's a fantastic story. There's no script. There's no real dialogue. It's all sung. Uh, and it's basically a throwback to the original creation and production as for the 50th anniversary of the musical. So it's pretty freaking metal and rock there's a whole so it's, band it's the album not it's the original the, broadway because it's what most people don't know version what most people don't know about jesus christ superstar was it was a record first yes so the original version of jesus christ superstar is not the original cast recording with a full band that i saw you know it's pretty heavy oh, with yeah. a conductor with strings and horns Ian you, Gillen of Deep was the Purple original Jesus. was Jesus, and, and he was great. And he really was times, Jesus. He was great except for those times that he spoke. Like he's, you know, he's like, "Are you the Son of God?" He's, That's what you say. <laughs> and I will. Uh, it's awful. That that is, is that that moment is awful. I have. He that has on a pretty too. bad. At, you know, he's those guys are not. They have kind of, like I said, there's, I was just telling this joke earlier. So Ghost Co. has a bunch of UK people, right? We started out in Europe. So we have a lot of Europeans on our staff. And uh, my beloved Brits and, and United Kingdom folk, we, we, we're, we were just talking about Duncan, who was wonderfully, was a what, elegant accent downright. Northern yeah, love, English. I just want to hear him talk. Well, because of Leeds, but but there's also like Jordy and other Northern Englanders who sound like the Hamburglar, and they don't mean to, but basically to my ears, it sounds like rubble, rubble, rubble. That's what I hear. I don't know. It's worse than that. It's very unintelligible, and I love my people. And then your Londoners and your Manch Vegas, your Manchester United people are all like very. Real quick, real quick. Here's a joke. How do you tell the difference between a Manchester City and a Manchester United fan? How do you? A Manchester City fan has a Manchester accent. Hello. There you go. I don't watch soccer. Anyway, I watch American football like everybody else. Not me. Um, I watch Canadian football. Okay. Check this out real quick. Since we're on American football now, (laughs) have you heard about the lawsuit going on in St. Louis? I have not. Uh, basically, they're going to make the entire league drop their drawers and give up all their emails and text messages and cell phone records regarding the St. Louis uh, move to Los Angeles. They have tried so many times to get it out. And apparently, Stan Kroenke has offered billions of dollars to settle, and the city has said no. So the new idea is, oh, well, part of the settlement will be the NFL grants them a team. Okay, so... And I heard people on the radio going, oh, that'll be awesome. You know, that'll be the biggest fuck you because we'll get a Super Bowl and we'll win and we'll have all the people there that said we couldn't do. And I'm like, wait a minute. So we got to buy a franchise. Start over. Pay them money. Expansion draft. Right. We got to pay them for the expansion, then buy tickets, and then buy jerseys 
the biggest fuck you in the world is becoming customers again? No. Give me the CFL. There's no reason why LA has two teams and the Raiders are in Las Vegas. It's only for corporate dollars. It's very sad. I remember when the Rams packed up in the middle of the night and moved to St. Louis and the wife, the husband died and the wife took over the team. And she eventually they won Georgia Frontieri, right? And like it was only five the, years. St. Louis supported the team. And they were, you know, Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf and all that was what, like, as an outsider, it was amazing to watch because we never had like an aerial team that was capable in New York for the Giants or the Jets, honestly, I'm not a Jets fan, but for the Giants. And, um, you know, I rooted for them as I tend to root for the division that my favorite team is in. So even though I hate the Astros, so usually I'm I'm rooting for the AL in baseball and I'm rooting for the NFC in football, no matter who's in, unless it's a team not I super, baseball. Unless I super hate. Whatever. Um hey, it's nine on nine, not you nine a, and a half on nine and a half. Are you are you a DH person and not no. a DH person? That's no. what it is. You're play a fucking a game. Get out there and you play the whole fucking game. Okay. Okay. Anywho, Yankees are yeah. out, I don't care. Giants are terrible. I don't Cardinals are out, care. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of like between those teams, it's a it's like no one to root for. It's like rooting for ISIS versus Al Qaeda. It's terrible. When it, whenever that happens, and I watch the games because uh, I'm a terrible person, I root for injuries. Yowch. Um, even I don't do that. Um, <laughs> except Michael Irvin, he got injured at a game I saw, and I was really freaking happy. I never liked that guy. Um, sorry, not sorry. We should we should probably move on. We should probably talk about King's X. Probably. Ten minutes into this thing, people are like turned off. Ten, like you know, yeah. But we're, but we're at twenty-five, care. so. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ! Superstar was great, and I would like to see King's <laughs> X do a version of it. Okay. Um, where we last left off was the pinnacle of King's X, and um, Dogman, so great cool. record. Dogman is incredible, but it really didn't help them at all in their career, which is mind blowing. It helped them. I can't say it didn't help them, but it's like if that's their pinnacle commercially, they didn't quite get where they wanted to go. As we've gotten deeper and deeper into King's X and I paid more and more attention to the music, what I have noticed about them is they're a musician's band. They're not an average fan band. You know, I there's so many things that I've heard in these songs that were stolen later. Some degree... Some to commercial effects, some not. But when that kind of thing happens, it's like Steve Vai. Steve Vai is a musician for guitar players. That's all, nobody, you know, the the little head he had talking on stage one time, and he said, you know, little head's like, who are you kidding? The only people that are here are guitar dorks and their guitar teachers. Yeah, and that's exactly, that, that's the audience. And that, that's a awesome and awful place to be at the same time. Right. Yeah. You're, I get you're it. right there with Scylla and Charybdis because you should be making more money. But the people that you really want to impress are impressed. Super true. Super true. So King's X tours the world. They go on Woodstock. They're on late night TV. They have four singles and videos on MTV. And they sell more records than they've ever sold. But Atlantic is like scratching their head at this disappointment. And that's a, it's a sucky situation to be in. And it, it is the kind of disappointment that is a head scratcher because Dogman is 
objectively one of the best records I've ever heard. Hey, one of the best records, one of the sounding records, one of the best records of the 90s, one of the deepest records. There's very little, there's almost no filler. The, I would say no filler. That is a that is a great record all the way through. Yeah. So they come back pretty much right back and make a new record a year later. They go right back in the studio and write Here, record. Here's where I think they make a mistake. Not the not the album itself, but the title and the cover. It's way it's, off brand. It's it's dumb. It it looks like a journey record. It does. I think that was on purpose. It did look like a journey. It, it, so it screams big radio, big major label overreach. Like yes. Yeah, and there's definitely some re. There, there's definitely some some hit fishing. Uh, no, nobody was biting, but there was definitely some fish there, and which is why I think the follow-up tape man, which is a little bit weird, is better. But I, I also agree. We'll get into that. Um, I, I there was definitely like a lot of meddling, I think, from the, you know, now they're on the big label. They're not that, you know, they probably had a fight to do things their own way still. There's definitely, um, it definitely reeks of, of a little bit of needling, at least a little bit. They did co-produce the record themselves, which might have been like an attempt to hang on and do it their way. And it's co-produced with Arnold Lonnie. Who is a Canadian producer? You may know his very famous records for bands like uh, Finger Eleven and Our Lady Peace. So basically, he was like the Canadian Brendan O'Brien for a couple of years. He was doing their version of the grunge bands and produced. We're, we're all going those real inside baseball here. We are. Okay. I'm Mel Allen. How about that? Um, how about that? How about that? This on this weekend, this weekend, baseball. this weekend, baseball. I love, love that show. Yeah, man. He was great. He used to do play by play for football also. Right before my time. Um, yeah, Jack Buck did football, baseball and hockey for one year. I've seen, one year. I've seen Jack Buck and Joe Buck is no Jack Buck. Let me no. tell you that. No, I Jack said, Buck uh, is, you know, what, you know, when Jack Buck is amazing when he's doing Cardinals games. Okay. Because Joe he has Buck a, is terrible. So I'm saying the sun. No, I meant Joe Buck. I'm sorry. Oh, really? When no, Joe tough. Buck does Cardinals games. He is flat out amazing, almost as good as his dad, unless it's a national broadcast. And when he does national broadcasts, he has to be impartial. So he tries so hard to be impartial that he's a dick. He's pretty. He's pretty terrible. Um, Everything you've seen, yes, I agree. Stab Most out of. my own eyes and ears. Uh, so King's X. Ear candy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm. I will do better. I'll do better. On the whole, is a good album. Agreed. Like it, it's, it's not, a good album. It's just off brand. It's a, it's a little off brand. And what they start doing here, and they've kind of done this all the way through. So we discussed at the very beginning of this series that they were called Sneak Preview in the early '80s, and they were more like a pop rock band and a top Sneak, forty. Sneak Preview is a great name for this band it because be everything they do. Is really popular three years later by somebody else, right? Without a white, without a without a gay guy as the front front man and no people of color. Anyway, Correct. sorry, not sorry, and uh, but yeah, I don't know why. And um, but this record's really good. There's some great stuff on here. No big hits, nothing that really, you know, absolutely slays. They had a couple of singles. They do start to do this thing where they, like, I think in service of trying to write a hit, 
they put or being coached to try to write a hit they put their old school hit writing hat on and research they started doing this thing where they bring back songs from the sneak preview days in like 1980 and turn it into a new song in 1996 not a bad idea not the best idea it also kind of maybe they were less inspired and that's why they were recycling stuff Maybe they believed in that song and felt like, well, now we have the carte blanche to go do whatever we want with that song. And bring it back. I, I mean, there's not many times where somebody does that, that it works out. Uh, we'll get to that next week more. We're not going to discuss that issue. But uh, Kiss did that a few times. They brought back some Wicked Lester tunes and revamped them and made them and great. And they worked. They worked. Uh, especially She. She is the shit. It is one of my favorite songs. And it Wait, is shit when Peter Chris plays it. So stop it now. Anyway, stop. Hammer time. So good record, not a great record. Cover is bizarre. Just Cover really, is the, for the mid '90s. Even it's bizarre. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a '70s or early '80s cover. They are really leaning into the psychedelia. Uh, we haven't discussed it. Let's so let's 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 discuss this briefly. Um, if you erase where it says King's X and Ear Candy, what you have is a psychedelic spider web featuring a scarab. Which yes, none of that makes sense to get. You have to be on the. the it pod. doesn't even doesn't even come. Like there's nothing on the album that's relatable, like to that cover art. A little, they're they're a little bit bouncy and a little <clears throat> bit psychedelic most of the time, but only a little bit. They're only like dipping a toe in there. You know, there's a lot of wah wah, but not like psychedelic wah wah, like you know, '80s '90s metal kind of wah. So yeah, it it, it almost works conceptually, almost. Yeah, I mean, they are leaning. So I think a good way to frame this, and I can bring this concept back, is so they have the hit with Dogman. The label wants another Dogman. They don't want to do another Dogman. They want to go back a couple of steps to the records before Dogman, less heavy, more psychedelic, spacious stuff, because they feel like that's adventurous to them and they want to do this. Then you look at the makeup of the album. It's mostly written by Doug. They did go back to kind of after the last record where they kind of wrote together this record, they go back to kind of bringing in a song, bringing in a song, a little bit of writing together, but mostly I have a song, you have a song, we all have a song. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, you know, like I think the album overall, we'll get into the tracks and there's 13 of them. We don't have to, we can breeze by some of them. They're not all that memorable some of them are interesting the story of the song is more interesting but I, overall it's a good record it's not a bad record i, I give it a, it I just, give it a strong seven to five out of ten yeah it just kind of is a fall off from dog man that's a ten the, and it's a you know the real problem i have with this record is there's nothing there's no standouts <clears throat> there's nothing really that grabs you it, it's a shame that the label didn't believe in them enough to let them be on the road that another like year like stay out and try everything to make the the last record go longer. Like I think Dogman has so many legs. It's, and you know there 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 are, there's always going to be albums, there's always going to be bands, there's always going to be whatever that you hear and you wonder why the fuck 
did this not break? Mm-hmm. And I I did not know before we started this nice little whistle there. I can't do it again. Uh, I, I didn't know about Dogman. I had heard, you know, songs here or there by King's X. I knew they existed, but they were never anything that really I wanted to dig deeper on at that time. Now I'm like, wow, I really missed something special. And this, but this album doesn't have that specialness. That's fair. Of the preceding record. It's not a bad record. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate it. it I just, I agree. They should have if they had allowed the band to really push Dogman for another six to eight months, you know, this is the nineties. This is back when you really could break a record on the road. Or just something would have maybe broke for them. Like something good fortune would have happened and they would have, it wouldn't have, been would have, the, it wouldn't have been a the movie first placement. Time. Right. And it wouldn't have been the first time that an, a band just kept pu- pumping out singles and eventually something hit. I'm trying to remember when, uh, when was Bill and Ted 2? 95, I believe. So right before this, they have the song Junior's Gone Wild. Bill and Ted is... Uh, one is 91. Hold on a second. This is worth looking up, honestly. Um, I'll scratch my kitty. kitty. Hey, now. Um... So, yeah, I'll tell you. So, Primus, that's the first one. Faith, Tommy the Cat, Faith No More. I should have been better prepared for this. Um, I think it's Bogus Journey. Yeah, Bogus Not a good Journey. Movie. Well, so Junior's Gone Wild by King's X is in this movie soundtrack, which is 91. So it's, a, it's still is it 91. Is it that? Yeah. Old? So it's early. Yeah, it's early. Oh, of course. Duh. Kiss had God gave rock and roll to you two on it, which they also put on revenge, which came out in 92. Sorry. Missed out. I missed that one. Yeah. That's, you know, it is what it is. Um, but anyway, I was saying, so they, I, you know, maybe I had interviewed, um, Stabbing Westward last summer. They have new music coming out very soon. Maybe even a single, by the way, inside wow. spoiler, spoiler alert. And one of my, uh, discussions with Chris, Christopher Hall of Stabbing Westward, he was like, honestly, half of our success we owe to all those. They were like somebody at their record label kept putting them on big soundtracks that became big, you know, The Crow and The Matrix and Bill and Ted and like, I'm sorry, not Bill and Ted and uh, Jay and Bob clerks. And so like they started getting these placements. And I think if King's X had gotten like one more of those, if they had gotten on True Lies or Last Action Hero or or The Crow, I mean, I'm surprised they're not on The Crow. Like, of course they should have been on The Crow. And The Crow is arguably one of my favorite soundtracks. The best soundtrack ever, arguably, in my opinion, maybe. Uh, five. It's top five. Um, you and know, it, it just, but and it's that kind of music where it, it's the darker grunge. Cigarettes. Stuff. Cigarettes would have been, like, amazing on that soundtrack. Yes, Gene, it would. Gene, oh. Gene Steberry and The Cure and oh, stuff Oh, like wow. Yeah. So, yeah, but anyway, so they needed like one more break. So they go back in and they do this album, Your Candy. 
And again, a good producer, like that's the record label, like that guy, I feel like he had already done records for that label with other bands. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll do the track by track. And again, we can skip some of it, but, um, the train is a good opening track. It's a Tiber, Ty Tabor and Pinnock. Really like that one. Collection. That was the first time. Cause the, the, <clears throat> the difference in the vocals isn't like stark, mm-hmm. but I guess I've, I've been paying attention enough and listening to enough of their albums that I finally noticed it was, it was not Doug. When it's Ty. Yeah. When it's Ty, you notice him. And, um, Hello, Mr. Squiggles. It's Boo-Boo. Oh, I'm just going to call him Mr. Squiggles. Um, That's Princess Leia. Okay. Um, So The Train's a good song, good opening track, good way to start the album. Um, Very good song. Good song. Second track, Thinking and Wondering What I'm Going to Do, is like a Zeppelin Three King's X song. It's very acoustic guitar, contemplative, not a ballad, but it's just like a jangly coffee shop rock song you know pre precursor to jason moraz kind of song that's something that so many bands have tried to do have tried to recreate the magic of led zeppelin three yeah well and no one can almost no one just about no one um sometime is a solid song third song pretty solid uh a box is actually one of the better songs on the first half of the record it features lead vocals from uh, the guy who was the singer for Toad the Wet Sprocket, Glenn Phillips. Not sure if people remember that band, Walk on the Ocean. Good band. They were the song. second band to be called that. Were they? Yes, because another band also took their name from the Monty Python sketch. Rock yes, I, I, um, I used to confuse Toad the Wet Sprocket with Dishwalla because 90s Columbia House, One Penny Rock Albums. Anyway. Been there. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Um, but a box is a good song. Looking for love is okay. Another. These are all dug, dug, dug in a row. Mississippi Moon is a reworking of a previous song that I is like really great, and it's still played live today. Really like this one. And then it's kind of about how the band formed. It's like a little wistful because the band is ten years over ten. You know, the band is actually King's X in terms of a recording band is ten years old at this point. Or just about ten years old. They're more yeah, like a band. Uh, the first album was yeah. like eighty-seven. The first album we did was yeah. eighty-nine. Yeah, yeah. So this is eighty-six, uh, and May of eighty-six. So you know, halfway in the year. Uh, Sixty-seven is solid. Lies in the sand is is okay. Run is okay. It's a little, little that's the up tempo one. That's a little rocking. Fathers is an interesting song. Good lyrics. Not don't love the song execution, but I love the lyrics. I liked that one. That one. That one. That one. Got a hook in me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they do these jokey songs every once in a while. So American I think this cheese. one is appropriately titled for the record. American Cheese? Yeah. Yeah, there's a running theme. Jerry, this is Jerry's track. Jerry's Pianto. Some play, you know, Portamento, play on words. And Jerry, you know, Jerry doesn't get talked about enough, but he is a great drummer. And here's another record where, like, you cannot find fault with his playing. Maybe you don't love all the songs, but his playing is the foundation. In in every album we've listened to from Kings that I've listened to for Kings X so far, I have never really disliked anything, <clears throat> but there have been times where it was a little flat. And that's this album it has it's a little blunted compared to Dogman. Mm. Fair. Very fair. Yeah, it's definitely they went in another direction. They were not trying to do Dogman too. 
It's he it's less heavy. There's heavy moments, but it's not heavy all the way through. I think riffs are even downplayed somewhat. Uh, dialed Completely back. agree. Restraint is a word. Dogman Two had that kind of sound where you can hear the strings grinding on the frets, mm. which is one of my favorite. And I don't know if anybody else has ever used that phrase. That's just something. That that's how I describe my playing. Mm. Is and that's something I really really liked. And it's it's none of that. It's it's none of that really just just punishing the guitar to get it out which ironically because they're holding their guitars too hard on this album mm -hmm. it's like squeezing the sticks in hockey so that's a that's a good fair enough fair enough not choking up on the bat um picture brings us back to a more normal track and is quite good life going by is a good official album closer by Tabor, so they bookend the album with two tie songs and then there's a bonus track I highly recommend seeking out if you can find it called Freedom. It actually shows up on a later album called Ogre Tones, but it was a, another sort of like, you know, Japanese, Japan gets the extra songs, which I know annoys you. You know, I, that it, yes, I'm, I'm not gonna. Stupid. It irritates you. Something awful. Yeah. So, Japan yeah. on the Psycho Circus CD got half of a live concert. Wow. Um, okay. Sorry. That's fine. Still getting the Christian album charts, like 10, you know, how many records into there, their career? There is definitely a feeling of this one where they're looking forward and looking back at the same time. Kind of like got a, got a leg towards that spirituality, that Christian spirituality. But they're 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 kind of like I don't know I don't know they're, it's like I don't know if that's still us, and that that is one of the things about this record that I really liked is it felt it it felt like they were going through a midlife crisis or they're going through a crisis of faith while trying to grin and bear through it and there is no faithful person of any faith who legitimately believes who never had a crisis. If you never had a crisis of faith, I don't believe you believe it. Yeah, I guess. Um, that's that's my opinion, and it's right. So. Nice work. Um, so they go on the road for a little bit with this album, and I'm sure the writing was on the wall for Atlantic that they're going to let them go. Uh, they put out a Best of King's X record. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, the writing's on the wall. We're going to dump you. But before we do, let's see if we can get 18 bucks. But what they did was really clever. Uh, we're not going to do this whole record, but I will say there are one, two, three new studio songs on the Best of Kings X. I don't think it's on streaming. You might be able to get it on YouTube. I, I, and did not, I didn't even know that existed until right before we started this. So. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. And uh, so, um, yeah, man, it, it's it's definitely worth checking out, and uh, would be well, a good at this time. At this time in the in the mid late nineties, it was very commonplace to throw a few extra studio tracks on things. Pantera did a couple of studio tracks on One Hundred One Live. I love that shit. And Van Halen at this exact time drops uh greatest hits volume one 
Remember, right. has been a volume two, but volume one had Me Wise Magic, which is still. It had Me Wise Magic, um, Humans Being. Humans and, Being is the best Sammy Hagar song possible. And right? Me Wise Magic. And he's barely is, on it. And Me Wise Magic is the best uh, David Lee Roth Van Halen song. Those are my, my yeah. two favorite Van Halen tunes. Yeah, Me Wise is the. And then there's they, Can't Get This Stuff No More, which nobody ever talks about again. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's three songs on here. I highly recommend them. There's a live version of Over My Head from Woodstock that made it mm. onto this greatest hits very good song very good real great song one of their best songs this is really like a song about them they start writing self-referential songs at this point by the way um which is great mississippi moon and over my head and there's more coming um so you know like you you know you know you know what's coming they get dropped and uh you know I don't remember having the best of King's X, actually. I remember hearing it from a friend who had it. I'd like to hear uh, Real quick, can I point out something? Can you see this? Mm. Sinister Day. Yeah, we talked about this band last week. They reminded me very much of King's X. They yeah, I'm going to have to check this band out. I, I think this is the only record they did, and I've got it. Okay. So, anybody in the sound of my voice, check out Sinister Day, and you can get it on Amazon. Of course, used because it's way out of print because it bombed something awful because Nelly hadn't hit yet. I don't know what that means. Is that because St. Louis wasn't on the map somehow musically? Correct. There. I mean, if you name somebody famous from St. Louis who's not Nelly. Um. Yeah. Uh, Black Fast, the thrash band. I have no idea who that is. They're more modern. Um. Uh, Right. That's it. Mm. Oh, John Hamm is from St. Louis. If you make your bones in Hollywood, are you really from St. Louis? Oh, I think he's still very much from St. Louis. He's... Uh, I look, I'm talking about musicians, not I get you. I get you. Look, I can name 35 actors from St. Louis in the surrounding areas. Lori Laughlin of Big Bang and Roseanne Fame went to my high school. There's a picture she of might, Is she going to jail? I forget what that scandal with her daughter Not Lori. I'm USC. sorry. Not, I'm sorry. Not Lori Laughlin. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I missed. Cut it out. Yeah, correct. Swing and a miss. No. Uh, it is neither that nor is it uh, Out of Control featuring Dave Coulier, who Alanis Morissette went down on in a theater per the songs. Um, I'm, not talking out of, I'm not talking out of class. She wrote a song about it. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. Where? Lori Metcalf. Um, not Lori Laughlin. Lori Metcalf from Roseanne. Correct. Went to my high school in ex-urban uh, St. Louis. Okay, cool. Yeah, Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Two people from that cast, like two of the main cast, are from St. Louis. Lori Metcalf and John Goodman. So John Goodman is from St. Louis. I'm sure yes, he's not he, there anymore. He lived in Afton, Missouri. He went to Afton High School. Uh, if you go to Llewellyn's Pub on uh, on Lindbergh. You can see uh, pictures of him playing football and his Afton Cougars football jersey. I know, fancy. Fucking Fascinating. Fancy. I walked by him down in a city street in Manhattan one day while he was reading a script out of a loose leaf notebook and not looking where he was going. Uh, we don't see many actors here in the in the loo, as it were. Nice, the loo. Hey, oh from, my the God. Loo and I, from the loo, and I'm proud. I'm, 
Have you ever said that to Duncan and gotten his reaction to that phrase? No, maybe I will. The loo has a totally different meaning in the UK. Yes, um, but it's spelled need, differently and he'll hear. Should we take a break or should we continue? Well, it looks like we're going to continue. Um, funny story from the King's X book and also Brian Slagle's book. Brian Slagle, the founder and head of Metal Blade Records, called King's X one of his greatest regrets that he did not sign them initially, along with Megadeth. And you know, if he had gotten them, that would have been way better for them. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, like, well, I, I mean, like, they were, would have been an anomaly on the label in the late 80s, but that, they might have been able to make them into a hit. Interestingly enough, Metal Blade also had a major label distribution deal. Whether they also had the Goo Goo Dolls. They also had the Goo Goo Dolls, who were a punk band originally, before they made sensitive coffee house rock songs. Um, so like they get, they, I love coffee. Uh, so they get signed to Metal Blade and they write and record a new album by themselves. No interference. I think that was probably part of their deal with Metal Blade. It was like, we're not going to, we want to do this ourselves. Doug opens up his own studio called the Hound Pound, the Pound Hound, something like that. Pound Puppy. Hound Pound. Hound Pound. And Alien Beans. In Houston. I feel like Alien Beans is Ty's studio. Oh. In Missouri or Mississippi, one of those. And um, do not confuse us with Mississippi for fuck's sorry. sake. Sorry. Can I just say fuck Josh Hawley? Anyway. Um, God, right up his asshole. You could not be president of the United States if your own state is in fucking disrepair. Anyway, don't does, does people know anything? Anywho. Tapehead. Do not get me started on Missouri politics. I will burn my ta- house. Tapehead is the, the seventh studio album. Terrible name, terrible cover. Terrible name, super dumb album cover. Like, we got no money. What are we doing this? Uh, let's, okay, bad, Doug, Doug. Doug is Doug, under the tape. Doug, I've got an idea. Just sit down. Right. Here, just drink this and pass out a little. It'll be fine. I mean, did they chloroform him to get this done? I don't know, but I can't imagine he would have fucking enjoyed this. Um... Uh, real quick, he is wrapped up. His entire, like from shoulders to crown, in shiny ass electrical tape. Not the cheap stuff. The good stuff. The, the shiny good stuff. Black duct tape that you could only get if you worked in film and television back then. Oh, grip, um, it's good grip tape. Grip tape. So for all my grips out there, shout out to my stage crew people and uh, um, Grip Incorporated. Hey now. Another good one. Another good one. Toque de Muerto. Uh, so, Tapehead, they, they kind of, again, new, new studio, new record label, kind of New direction. New direction, but a step back to being heavier. Yes. I think Ear Candy is to the self-titled King's X record as Tapehead is to Dog. Dog Tapehead is like, okay, feeling... A little more free. We got this sad masters and try to make a radio song. Let's just Re- hang on, hang on. Repeat that last sentence. I've had a lot of internet wackiness, so there was a pause. So re- sure, no problem. So they go to make tapehead, 
And uh, they're out of the influence of Atlantic, so they don't have to try to write for radio anymore. And, it, and as I said, they, you know, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, the Ear Candy record is to the self-titled King's Act record a little more in the middle and not as heavy as Tapehead is to Dog. They took a step back to being hard, which I like. Um, you can hear that the songs are a little more streamlined. They're shorter for the most part. Still 13 tracks. Why? I don't know. Um, this record could have been 10. And I'm not knocking the guys, but just like, you know. Um, you know, and, and one of the things I say is, uh, oh, God, what's the, what's, what's the line? Blankety blank is the better part of valor. Mm. Discretion. Discretion is the better part of valor. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I will say this to anyone listening who is going to, like, track a record. Brevity is the better part of valor when it comes to an album. Yeah, Unless yeah. you have an amazing record and you can go double record all the way through Metallica, do not do it. Just give me 40, 35 to 40 minutes. That's well, your window. I, I will tell you that the new Mastodon is like two hours long and it's the double. And I it is. I don't like Mastodon. Amazing. Well, you should go give them another try. I have maybe, tried. No. Maybe we'll do no. Mastodon. Fuck you. No. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no, I have given Mastodon 18 tries. Oh, boy. It, it, me, though. The only Mastodon song I like is Cut You Up with a Linoleum Knife. That's a good one. And I thought they were ripping off King Diamond. That, and then right. I find out that nothing they've done ever since then is like that. Right. Yeah, there's very few. So it's a definite one-off. Uh, no, I, I look, I, I, I respect and appreciate yeah. Mastodon for who they are, what they do. But it don't work for me. Maybe, maybe we'll do an episode where we just talk about the bands we're never going to do on the show and just have that as a whole episode for Christmas. That or would something. be that would be a good break. That'd be a fun one. Here's all the bands Nick and Keith hate, and we'll never cover. <laughs> oh, God, fucking embarrassing. Um, I think Tapehead's a pretty good record. Agreed. Again, it's a little heavier. They start to do this prog thing more now, which they carry into the future, and. Um, this record, like I said, this record's a little more direct, which I compare it more to Dogman. So Groove Machine, which is another self-referential song about the band and is still played live and is amazing. Well, they are. They are the Groove Machine. They really are. No, um, the fact that they have multiple many, songs about themselves. Yeah, I think it's cool. You can be pretentious. It's fine. Um, totally. Groove Machine's an awesome song. It's a shorter song I wish was longer actually uh fade is a good song second track on record over and over is a good song uh oh no is a good song these are all really tight tracks cupid ocean is excellent probably my favorite song on here um i don't know if any of these jumped out to you on the first half of the record but i listened to this one yesterday i listened to uh ear candy again this evening i apologize i was going to listen to both of these records again today and i forgot my headphones so okay no, it, it pissed me off all day. Mm. Um, there was a song, though, about faith, and I don't remember which record it was on. Mm. Higher Than God is probably the one if it's on here. Um, it but, wasn't yeah, that one. It was not that A little one. bit of Soul is a good track. Happy's a really good track. This is a pretty good album. There's like a... a kind of a throwaway track at it's, the end it's a much better album than than its predecessor but now nah, i'll wait no keep going, keep going 
Yeah, no, uh, I'm just saying, like, I, you can see that the shackles are off a little bit on here. They, Agreed. The, it, the there's scoops. no, there's literally, there's no hit fishing. Right. Well, that's, this is the very typical major label thing is they will meddle with you. They oh, yeah. Uh, Hi-Fi Dragons discussed that at length on the MC Lars podcast mm-hmm. about what it was like. Because after their first their first EP, did some did some numbers for an indie. They were signed to a major, and the major's like, yeah, you got you to gotta move units. You got to move. And, it's, and Spose talked about that at length on, um, I want to say Cracked. Um, yeah, they, they, if you go to a major, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna be in the room. Every room. They're, they're gonna try to manipulate you into doing their will, which is not always good. Correct. But, uh, yeah, I, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a good record. King's X doesn't have any bad records. Um, they really don't. Um, it's uh, like I said, it's heavier than the record before it. I like this record a little bit, a touch more than Ear Candy. I, I would um, say this one is an eight and a half to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, now, that's referring really good. to Do- now Dogman is a 10 of 10 for me. For me, yeah. And both of these albums suffer from a lack of a strong single, a real... Fair enough. They don't really have a single. But in fairness, Dogman doesn't either, but Dogman grabs you with the first track and just punches you in the face for 50 minutes. Dogman has two songs that weren't singles that should have been. And, like, I don't understand the record label had had that song Shoes and that wasn't on, like, right next to... You know what album was cigarettes on? Uh, the record before, so, I think. Oh, uh, maybe that it's is, that record. That that's still one of my favorite one of my favorite songs yeah. of theirs. I mean, just yeah. When the thing, I mean, I guess we're kind of like shooting through this, so I'm gonna just shoot through this too. Like yeah, yeah, go ahead. Like like after you eat a mac rib, which I did today because it's mac rib did season. You? I did. It, it didn't have enough sauce. Does it but, bother you that it's shaped like ribs but not made look, ribs? Uh, as my coworker calls it, it's smeat. I don't like pork. I hate pork. I hate ribs. Something's wrong with you. Like, how is that possible? You know what? My boss says that every day, so it's fine. And my wife says that, you know, days and end why, so it's fine. But I'm a kept man. Anywho. Um, no, I'm not. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, so King's X is an extraordinarily talented band, and... As we're summing up this album and summing up this series, first of all, thank you very much for suggesting this because, you know, I, I'm very proud of my, my my knowledge of music and I'm very proud of my in-depth knowledge that nobody gives two shits about, about a lot of things. Like I can tell you what kind of strings Kirk Hammett used on uh, Injustice for All. No one cares. It's uh, Ernie Ball Slinkies. Not extra, but just regular, the yellow ones. And no, wait, no, it was Dean Markley. Dean Markley strings, I apologize. Anywho, but this was a band that completely passed through me. They weren't on this, you know, my, my formative high school years, the biggest influences on me were Headbangers Ball, 
were KC95's Monday Night Metal, which has always been on Tuesday. I don't ask questions. I don't have answers. And uh, The Mosh on WLCA, which was uh, a a community college radio station in Illinois, or as I call it, Stink State, because it smells bad. Very bad. It smells terrible. Anyway, so King's X was not popular enough for Headbangers Ball, not heavy enough for Monday Night Metal, and not brutal enough, not that that was a term in 1992, but not brutal enough to get on the mosh. So the thing about metal that's so amazing is there are so many bands, and it's still, even in 2021, excessively underground. Somehow, still. Well, I saw, God, who was it? Um, I was covering Mayhem a couple of years ago, and... They were opening, uh, there was a black metal band, and then a death metal band, and then a tomb, then I for, or then Mayhem. And I, god damn it, I forget the Immolation. Oh, I love those guys. I had never fucking heard of them. Oh, yeah. So I'm talking to my buddy Danny, who's one of my favorite people in the world. Got an interview coming up with him soon, because he's got 18 bands going on. But, and, and I'm like, do you, do you know these dudes? He's like, no, I've never heard of them. And it was like album 38 for them. And everybody knows them and loves them, and well, we had never heard them. And that is metal forever, like Bolt Thrower. I don't know what the hell, but Metal Twitter jerks off on Bolt Thrower more than I do. They are things. like the English Cannibal Corpse, basically. Is that what it is? And not the lyrics, but everything else. Musically, okay. talent, like I, respect. I have, I have one of their records. It's okay. I love Bolt Thrower. They have a couple of records that are God-tier death metal, but I hear I what have, you're saying. I have the fourth crusade, whatever. It's fine. That's good. But I had their best. I had never heard of them. And metal Twitter every day, all day, is jerking off into their own mouths about So here so here's the thing for you. King's X hasn't had a record in like ten years almost. And what happens is when they when you go away, they miss you. Now the band, except for the pandemic, has not been off the road. They always tour. They tour more than they make records. And this is well, we'll 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 transition this into this is what happens with King's X the next, we covered like the 10 years. There was 10 years before that when they were formulating what King's X was in the first record. There's 20 years since this run of album that we talked about. I would make the argument though, and I was leading up to it and really getting off track. King's X never really decided what they were. They, they don't are, have to. I'm not, saying they, I'm not saying they do, but however, when you don't <clears> decide <throat> we're, on, we're on this track or that track, it makes it harder for you to break through. And yeah, I think, and I think, and I think that was their biggest issue commercially. That was what I was leading up to, but I couldn't get there. That's that not point. unfair. And you know, let's say since Tapehead, they have one, two, three, four, five studio albums. They're all pretty great. Please come home, Mister Bulbous, Manic Moonlight, Black Like Sunday, Overtones, my personal favorite of those, and fifteen. Um, what are they about? Ten. Ten total. Oh. Total. Um, yeah. I mean, they have a lot of live stuff, but let's see. I mean, studio. Do you want to count sneak preview or just King's X? Just King's X. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Sorry, eight, uh, seven, eight, nine. We did seven records technically, even though yeah. we touched over the live one. So seven, 
8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So their, third, their next studio album will be their 13th and their first in 14 years. So it's a 12 yeah. records is a run. And for anybody. Granted, they have been a band for 40 years almost. So like officially the three of them have played together for 40 years, even if they weren't King's X for 40 years. Um, and if they've we're not, if recycled we're not enough sneak, of that. If we're not going to count sneak preview in that number, we can't count the years. So it's 35 years almost, 34 years, 33 years next year when they will have a new record out right. uh, on Golden Robot Records. So I'm number 12. Looking to I mean, I'm looking, yeah. I'm, I wasn't looking forward to it three weeks ago. Now you are. Now I am. Good job, Keithy. Good job, Nick. Um, Doug has a new solo album out. Please go check it out. Uh, Doug has a new collaborative band out called Grinder Blues with two brothers, and they play like a heavy blues rock. How is that different than King's X? It's just different, different vibe, different vocals, different thing. Uh, so go check those things out. Ty Tabor has a voluminous amount of solo material out. He's also played with other bands. Jerry has a solo album out worth checking out. Go read that book if you like King's X. It's definitive and, and great. Like I said, um, Brian Slagle wishes he had signed them. They did have a good run on Metal Blade. They are they were on Inside Out for the next bunch of records, and now they're on Golden Robot. Um, See, I got, think on Metal Blade, they would have flourished. But they came later at Metal Blade. They didn't have Dogman in Metal Blade. No, they I would have. Had they, had they gotten there earlier? Yeah. Because Metal Blade is, I mean, think about the bands that have come through there. I mean, Ever. like, look, King Diamond. King Diamond is a lot like King's X, and not because of the King bit. But what are these bands? You know, what is King Diamond? What is Merciful Fate? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and that's kind of how King's X is to me. Extraordinarily talented, extraordinarily varied. What are they? Uh, I've listened to what nine of the eight to seven of their albums, seven records in the past month, and I have no clue. I, I'm no closer than I was when I started to, to to really defining what this band is, and that's pretty amazing. I agree. Um, they're terrific. I endorse them. Please go check them out. And uh, they're unlike any other band, which you can't say about a lot of other bands. They really are unique and special. And a lot of bands just sound like another band a lot of times. I'm pointing at Keefe and not interrupting because I agree, but now I'm mentioning it. So fuck me. That's okay. I, I agree. We agree. We're in agreement for a change. King's Thank X, you. Tru- truly, I'm, I'm sorry, truly amazing band, truly amazing records. Even the ones that I didn't love as much as Dogman are still mm-hmm. really cool records. And even their hit fishing record, pretty damn good. It's it's a lot better than a lot of stuff that was coming out at that time, you know. And- Yo, you know what I'm saying? And uh, really, like, I, I definitely will say that, um, you know, like, just just give give them a chance. If if you if you don't know what they sound like, go give them a chance. And uh, in the, to quote the band, if you like what you heard, go tell somebody. They are awesome. That and that's exactly what Boots Riley of the Coup would say. But now, you're you're the expert. I'm the layman, which I hate saying. But what would you, if you were going to say to somebody, in what's your elevator pitch? What is King's X? King's X is a soulful, philosophical, heavy rock band. Not not quite full on metal. And a lot of bands have copied it, 
stolen influence from them and attained bigger heights than these guys, but they deserve more. I, I would completely agree with that. And I'm going to let you have the last word this week. I don't have anything else to add except ready for some quiet riot and some 80 shenanigans. We will get on the 80 shenanigans, the Schneef and the Jack Daniels, which is actually iced tea. Uh, in the meantime, this is the Glacier Musical Podcast. It might play in Peoria, but fuck it.